start on a, 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 another series of lessons uh, on, the, not last Sunday, but the Sunday before that. When uh, the men were on, re on retreat, we started on this session. So ladies, please don't mind if I just back up and just come back up, all right? Amen, I, I, I believe that repetition is good for us, amen? So we're gonna go over, we're gonna um, start on this session tonight, amen, and I just believe that it's going to be a blessing to you. If you're writing, the um, topic or the thought is a new class of beings. A new class of beings, B-E-I-N-G-S, beings, amen? Now in Genesis 1, and 26. This is a familiar passage of scripture to us. It talks about the day that, you know, God spoke and he said that he wanted to create a man. Amen. Uh, in Genesis 1 and 26, and, and um, I'm going to read that from the King James Version. It says, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and uh, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Do you see that? So God's intention was for there to be a man. Everything had its own class of being, and man had its, its class, or his class, or their class of being. Amen? And when God first created this man, he created this man whole, he, made it, he created him complete, and he created him perfect. Amen? Now, in uh, Genesis 2 and 7, Genesis 1 and 26, we see God, that's on the, you know, um, on the sixth day, he creates this man. But then in Genesis 2, we see where the writer is going back, and he's backtracking, and um, two and one, he says, well, this is the history, or this is the lineage, or this is ge the genealogy of the beginning when God created, amen? But then in Genesis 2 and 7, it gives us even a deeper understanding of what happened on Genesis 1 and 26. God didn't create man twice. This is just a rehearsal from Genesis 1 and 26 to Genesis 2 and 7, all right? So in Genesis 2 and 7, it says, and God and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. Amen? Well, in 2 and 7, we see where, it show, where, where it's given us more information about how God breathed into the man, and he created the shell. He created the, the house. He created the, the, um, the shelter that the man was to live in. Well, it said he formed a man of the dust, meaning his body. He formed his body of the dust of the ground. But then just having him formed out of the dust of the ground didn't make him become animated. He needed him to become animated. He didn't just want there to, he didn't just want there to be a shell. He wanted him to be animated. You know, um, it's like uh, when, when you go to the store and you see this toy on the shelf or, you know, or you see this, you know, this figurine of something. It's, it, we call it lifeless, because it is. It's not until God breathed his life into that man that he became a living being. Amen? Initially, he was just a shell. 
but he wasn't complete until God breathed life into him. And then that's when the spirit of man came into that shell and he became animated. He became, he became alive. The, the scripture says, and the man became a living soul. Well, we, we know that another translation, I believe it's the Amplified Bible says that he became a speaking spirit. Not was he, he wasn't just a shell, but he became the, the, the spirit in him became alive or his body became alive because of the, the life of God that was on the inside of him. And he began to speak. Amen. This is what caused him to be in a class by himself. Even though God created all of the other things that he created, man was the only one that God breathed his life into. He was the only one that had the life and the nature of God on the inside of him. And he was the only one that became a living soul or a speaking spirit. Amen. Do you see that? Now I want to show you something in Genesis 6 and 4. Now we know that, you know, after, you know, um, God did that in Genesis 2 and 7. We know that down the line that Adam and Eve, they got into this situation where Eve was standing and she was talking to the serpent and he just convinced her or he had her fooled into thinking that what God said that he really did not mean. And so because she was convinced that God didn't mean that he didn't want them to eat of the tree or that God was trying to hold something back from them as if they were not complete already. Made, made, made uh, her think that God was holding up some wisdom or some knowledge or some kind of understanding, something that would make her greater than what she was. She listened to the serpent and she ate of the tree that God told them not to eat of, right? And then because, because of that, and then she shared it with her husband and then there came the fall of man. Well, then man became separated then from God because now his spirit was no longer in contact with God because of sin. Now, God being the loving father that he was, he, he um, you know, told them they had to get out of the garden. I, I would say run them out. He told them that he, they had to get out of the garden because the tree, the tree of life was still in the garden. He did that for them for, um, did that for them for a good reason, because if they continue to eat off that tree of life, they would have lived forever and ever and ever. Amen. Even though uh, Adam, when he died, he was like 939 years old. Nine what? 935. He was like 935 years old. That's like forever to us, right? <laughs> but if he would have keep, if he would have continued to eat off that tree, he would have, he would have um, lived longer than that. Amen. So they were banned out of the garden. And then the scripture says in Genesis 6 and 4. It, well, if you look in Genesis 6 and 1, it, start talk, it talks about how that God saw that man's thoughts were continually evil. I mean, he just, everything that man thought, you know, it was evil. And, and God knew that he had to do something about this. Now, Genesis 6 and 4, I want to show you something. When we talk about this new class of being, it says there were giants in the earth in those days. Do you see that? And also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, and... Uh, and they bear children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. Do you see that? Giants. They had giants in the land. 
And the giants came because the sons of God came into the daughters of men. Now, the sons of God were just angels, and they were not angels that God had assigned, but they were those fallen angels. You know, the scripture talks about how that when Satan fell from, um, from the earth, or he was thrown out of, out of heaven, that he deceived a third of the angelic beings. So along with Satan falling, a third of the angelic beings hit the earth also. That's where the chaos came in, right? So now here God had already, when he created the man, he had created something supernatural. He had already created something supernatural because the ground, he had, it, was, it was already created by him, but it was natural in its substance and not natural in its being. But when God breathed into him, he breathed his own life into him, which was a supernatural life, right? Then man fell. Well, come on. Our adversary, as he did then, and continues to do now, he always wants to try to imitate and to falsify the reality of God. Yes? So he had his fallen angels to go inside of these daughters of men so they could create another kind of being. And God saw them and he said, there were giants in those days. Now, many times when we look at the word giant, we think that they were just people of uh, enormous stature. These people weren't just people of enormous stature. It says that they were men of renown. They didn't just grow big, but their minds and their intellect was huge. They, they, they thought and they created and they imagined things that were, that were, that were like phenomenal. Because now you got to think about it. You had something natural being mixed with something that was still not of this world. Well, God, even before the foundation of the world, he had already had the plan of salvation already, already there. It was, it, was, it, was, it, it was already a plan. It wasn't an afterthought. It was, all, it was already understood that if man could not carry out the course, that he had a plan for man's salvation. Come on, when, when the scripture talks about Jesus, it says that he was the lamb of God. Even when John saw him, he said the lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. And then it talks about how that this thing was already planned even before the foundation of the world. Yes? Well, here the enemy was trying to, God was already going to create a supernatural being. God already meant for there to be giants in the land. But he didn't intend for the fallen sons of, um, the fallen sons of God to mix with the daughters of men. His plan was that he himself would find him a woman and he would implant his seed in her by the Holy Ghost and create something supernatural. Oh my God. But we see in Genesis 6 and 4, the enemy, he wants to come in and he wants to falsify and he wants to try to make up a nation or a class of being of his own. Now, there was, there was a coming together with something of heaven and with something of earth or something spiritual with something natural. And they produced physical giants. And so they were mental giants and they were also intellectual 
giants. Now they had a certain name. If you do some research, there was a certain name that they call these people during that day, the ones that the sons of God and the daughters of men, um, the, the, the uh, beings that they created, they, they were called the Nymphiliums, those who had fallen from what was considered the true religion. The others, um, the other is also translated the original word, which literally signifies a earth born and which we following them term giants. And without having any reference to the meaning of the word, which we generally conceive to signify persons of enormous stature, we just leave it, as I said before, that they were just people who were really tall. But they weren't just people who were really tall. They had instincts and they had understandings about things, but they used them all toward evil. If you do a, um, if you just continue to read in Genesis 6, just you read it, just read it casually. You'll see that God came to the place that he said, see, their thoughts are continually evil. And everything that they're setting themselves to do, they're doing like these great things because now on them, just as Adam, even though Adam had eaten of the tree, he didn't die until he was 935, is that right? 935 years old. He still had the life of God still in him. And so he couldn't die until that life just oozed out of him. Well, those angels that had fallen, that had hit the earth, they hadn't, they, the things that they understood and the intellect that they had and the, the beings that they were, that didn't change. They were still those supernatural beings. And so what they produced was of another kind. Mm. And so God still saw his power being used not to his glory, but really to, to a distaste of his. It wasn't used for him to bring glory to the earth. Man, it was used to destroy the earth. And so God said, no, I, I, you know, I've, I've got to destroy it because their thoughts are continually evil and they're just creating all kinds of things that's, that, that's, that's not being an asset, but being a liability. Amen? Now, the word, when properly understood, makes a very just distinction between the sons of men and the sons of God. And those were the Nymphilians, the fallen earthborn men. Now listen to this, with the animal and devilish minds. They were anim animalistic and they had devilish minds. God saw that every imagination or purpose of the thoughts of these men's hearts were only evil continually. Now this was the bitter root and thus the corrupt spring and offspring that came from that mixture. The heart was um, deceitful and desperately wicked. That's what God said. The principles were corrupt and the habits and their dispositions were evil. Their designs and their, and their devices were wicked. Everything that they designed, every, all of their devices, they were wicked. And they did evil deliberately, contriving how to do mischief all the time. Their thoughts were always how they could do evil and how they could always cause mischief in the world. Now, now, now we believe that we're living in a, a rough time, don't we? I mean, just ridiculous, right? 
But can you imagine having those type of people in the earth? Some of them probably in, in, in high places because when the scripture says renowned, it means that they were um, people of means, meaning they were wealthy, but they also were people of power. Now, can you imagine having that kind of surrounding? And then they, they, they knew that their intent was to do things that was contrary from what God had ordained because their dads and granddads were the fallen sons of God. Hmm? I was talking to somebody and I was telling them, I remember um, when Adam and I first got saved, maybe um, this movie was made long before this. And I know they've had movies since then. Um, but uh, it looks like it used to always come on, always on Saturday nights when I was getting the kids clothes <laughs> and everything ready for the next day. Every time, looked like the movie would come on, Rosemary's Baby. I know you all remember that movie, right? Rosemary's Baby. Rosemary's Baby was the devil. <sighs> How that they had a mixture of that woman, Rosemary, innocently, and uh, some demon force that mixed together and created the son of the devil that was to come and reign. All of those things, all of those things were only to be something that was to be the false um, replica or uh, um, a carbon copy of what God ordained from the beginning, which was Jesus. Amen? So we have these giants in the land, and they're just taking over, and they're, they're, God seen that their devices and their designs were wicked. Uh, a couple of Sundays ago, I told them, I said, you know, I've heard people say it. I know you've heard people say it. Uh, they'll, they'll say when they're trying to justify uh, like um, smoking weed and stuff like that, and they say, uh, it's an herb, yes, from the ground. And if God didn't want me to smoke it, then he wouldn't have created it. Yes? Well, let me tell you something. See, that's one of those designs and devices that, yes, it is. I mean, think about this. Yes, it is something that came up out of the ground, right? But what kind of mind do you have to have that you just look at a tree and say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take that, wrap it up in some paper, put fire to it, and smoke it. Does that just come normal? Do you just have an idea like that to smoke grass? It's like just, is that like that's a normal thought for you to just go outside and just look at something and say, hmm, wonder what I could do to that. Wonder what that's going to make me feel like. Cocaine, however way it's grown and however way, you know, it's manufactured. How did somebody all of a sudden just look at that and white powder and just think, that would be good up my nose. <laughs> oh my goodness, I could just see myself put that up my nose and it's just going to be great. Those are the kinds of devices and designs that they were coming up with. You can think about some of the things that you... <laughs> that you've probably purchased and probably entertained and did. And did you ever think, where'd that come from? And then what makes you know that it's not good is what it does to you. I've, I've never smoked weed, and I've never did coke or anything else. I'm sure some of you all will attest what it do to me. It did me good. But in the long run, 
did it really do you good? Would God have created something that would cause a man, after he's worked 40 hours a week, to take his money and spend it all on just that thing? He's got a family, has bills and all of that, and you just, you just use all your money just for that. Would God have created such a thing as that? To cause that much havoc in a, in a family's life? Could God have done that? But it came up out of the ground. Yes, it's a part of the earth. But there are, there, there are those devices and there are those designs that are not from God, but they are from the devil. Amen? And their intent is always to be evil. And it's evil toward God and it's evil toward mankind. Amen? You see, there was a mix that was made there that was not God-ordered. What mix? the sons of God, the fallen sons of God, and the daughters of men. That was not ordered of God. God did not tell those fallen angels to go into those women. That was another something that, that was of Satan to cause a, 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 a class of beings that would cause that type of wickedness and that type of evil in the earth. Now, I want to show you something. This is the reason why we need to be careful inside of talking about our carnality. The scripture says for a man to be carnal or when we look at, why don't you go to Romans 8 and 6 and I'm going to say this to you. Um, for a man to be carnal and spiritual at the same time is to impose an order beneath the original order ordained. What would you say? I say it. <laughs> for a man to be carnal and spiritual at the same time is to impose an order beneath the original order ordained. In Romans 8 and 6, the scripture says, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Verse 7 says, because, now this is why to be carnal minded is death, and it's death, it's not so much they're talking about uh, uh, physical death as much as it is a spiritual death. You're, putting a, you, you're, you're bringing death to yourself in areas where God has given us life and he's uh, illuminated us and refreshed us. When we, when we dumb ourselves down to be carnal, then we're putting death to the life of God that, that's on the inside of us. Amen? Look at what the scripture says, verse 7. It says, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Not to say, child, I'm just carnal. It's to subject yourself or it's to subject yourself to an order that is opposed to God. And to subject, and to subject yourself to the appetites and judgments that go along with it. Carnality. That's not a joke. That's not nothing that should be played with. You shouldn't feel good about saying you're carnal. You shouldn't even feel good about being carnal. You're not behaving any differently than those who were in the earth who had something supernatural and something natural mixed together that wasn't ordered by God. How in the world if the scripture says that the carnal mind 
in verse 7. It says, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. Anything that the carnal mind thinks, anything that the carnal mind desires, anything that the carnal mind wants, it's against God. It is against God. So when you say, I'm just being carnal, then you say, at this moment, I'm working against God. And you can't play. You can't say, well, on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, I'm carnal. But on Thursday, I get a little spiritual. And then on Sundays, I'm even more spiritual. No, you're going to have to make up your mind. You can't be the giant. God meant for there to be giants in the land. That's, that, that's not a new thing when you look at Genesis 6 and 4. And he said in that day there were giants in the land. There was always an intention for giants to be in the land. God always meant for there to be a people, a new class of being that would have his life and his nature on the inside of them. And that could speak to anything. And it had to change. He meant for there to be those who had enormous intellect and enormous minds who, who, could, who could think and who could perceive and who could have concepts and ideas, designs, amen, devices. But they were all to be an asset to mankind, not to bring mankind down. That's of the devil. So the times that I play around in carnality, and then get a little spiritual here and there, and then go back to carnality and get a little spiritual here and there. I have, I have, I myself have done something that's in total opposition against God, and I'm also missing out on the man and the woman that I could be, that God ordained me to be. And let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I thought about this on the way. Um, I, I, and I just remembered that John Maxwell wrote this book, Running with Giants. And I was like, oh, God, that's, that's very good. Running with Giants. And I'm going to tell you what, what he was saying in that. Again, God always meant for there to be giants in the land, and there were giants. But you're not considered a giant just because the world celebrates you. That's... That, that, that doesn't make you a giant because the world celebrates you. Everybody in the world may not know you like they know a Oprah or like they know a Jay-Z or like they know a this one or that one. But do you know what? In the race that he's given you, you be a giant there. You be a giant there. God, God's calling for all of us to be a giant right where we are. That's where we can make the impact. That's what we're going to make the difference. Be a giant where you are. It doesn't matter if nobody else knows you. It doesn't matter if your name never come across the, um, the television screen. That, 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 that doesn't determine the, gianti the giantism, giantism that's in you according to the word of God and the will of God. The giants that God's calling for are the men and the women of God that will look in this word and will allow the word to convince them of the truth that's found in that word and that will cause their lives to come in line with it. Amen? It is uh, the, those men and women who will do like the, like the Noahs and do like the Moses. Do you realize that the word of God considers Noah to be a giant, but in his day he was called a foolish preacher? Because he preached about this substance that would come out of the sky that nobody had ever heard about. And it was called rain. 
They didn't believe him. Well, he wasn't a giant then, but he sure was a giant to his family and to uh, those animals that he brought in the ark with him. He was a giant to them. And on that day when it rained, and it continued to rain, it continued to rain, and the water began to fill the earth, and nobody could stand up anymore, and all they saw was water, and it didn't look like this rain was going to stop. I'm sure those folks that was floating around the ark that was trying to get in would have called him giant, daddy, mama, whatever he wanted them to call him that day to get in. Doesn't matter what the world say about us, who we are. More than likely, when you stand up and you really become the giant that God intended for you to be, you're going to find a lot of people that's going to dislike you. And they're going to dislike you because you're finally, finally standing up straight and you're being the man and the woman of God that you're supposed to be. Hmm? There is a new class of being that's supposed to live on the earth today. Amen. And it's not the ones that's going to play around with carnality. Those um, sons, of, sons of God and those daughters, daughters of men who came together and created that class of being, those people were carnal and they were devilish. God's not trying to create another um, set of beings like that, even though he's still doing something supernatural. He's still, you know, uh, Dr. Dollar says that God wants to put a super on our natural, which will cause us to be supernatural beings. Well, God's still trying to do the supernatural inside of men. But it's that carnality that's keeping us from standing up and being the giants that we're supposed to be. It's those moments when we know that we should be doing good, but we, but we opt to do less. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Yeah. You know that you should be standing up and you should be speaking the word about and you should be, you should be believing God and you, 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 you should be lining things up. You know you should be doing that. But still we settle for just doing what feels kind of all right right now. Only to pay for it later and not get paid at all. And then on that day, when we get paid less or not get paid at all, then that's when we think about what we should have been doing. But it still doesn't change the pay. It still doesn't, cha- it still doesn't change that at this moment when this situation has come, that you still don't have the faith to stand against it. Because I messed around. I messed around. I messed around. Being carnal, being a little spiritual. Could I tell you, this thing, I had to write it on my computer. The Spirit of God spoke to me and said, you know, the gospel message is not a, the gospel message is meant to be a message of deliverance, not a message of discretion. Say what? I say what? Yeah. The gospel message is to come and to deliver us from our issues, not to teach us how to be discreet in our mess. You understand? It is a message of deliverance, not a message of discretion. The gospel message, the real gospel message. You should never hear the gospel message and and now you've thought a way of how to be discreet and still do what you want to do. You understand what I just said? 
again, when Adam and I first got saved, we went to visit his mother. And we, she knew that we had gotten saved. And she knew that, excuse me, that we were going to what they call a holiness church. And so, you know, she always wanted to prove something to us. And so we were sitting, remember Adam in the kitchen, and, and she said, your stepmama. Well, I could tell him about that. That was so funny. But y'all might not want to laugh right now. Do they? Anyway. You do? Let me tell you what happened. And then I'm going to tell you about what she did. Us. Um, Adam's brother came down to see us, right? This was the mother. This was the only mother I knew, when, when the lady who I'm telling you all about right now. That, that, I thought that was his mama. He introduced her as his mama, and I thought it was his mom. So then this other lady came on the scene, and she said she was his mom. And I was like, all right. And, you know, and Adam told me, you know, the story and stuff like that. We must have been married about how, I don't know how long. Anyway, and um, then his brother got in trouble. So she, the brother came to stay with us, right? So me and the kids went to see his mom, and the brother was with us. And she looked at me, and she said, Ava, who is that? And I said, um, that's Timothy. I said, uh, that's Adam's brother. And she said, what? I said, that, that's Adam's brother. She said, his brother? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, oh, I got to talk to him. I said, now, you know this is too crazy. <laughs> now, she going to act like she is really his mama. <laughs> I said, this woman is just crazy. So she was going to talk to him about claiming this boy as his brother. But that was his brother from his real mama. <laughs> I was like, that woman knows she didn't have him. Why is she playing like that? Well, she was mad, Nancy. That woman was so mad. Oh, but anyway, this is what she did us that time. This happened after that. Um, she, you know, we went to the house, and we were sitting down talking, and she said, y'all want something to drink? Now she knew we didn't drink. She said, y'all want something to drink? And we were like, no. And she said, no, they got some ponies. That's what she called them. I don't know if they still have that. They do. Brother Tyrone. Anyway, <laughs> okay, all right, she said, <laughs> Brother Tyrone said, right, and it, um, she said they have some ponies in the refrigerator, and I was like, ponies, never heard of that stuff, so, you know, she went and she got one out, and you know, it's a little beer, you know, like that. And, um, and she said, here. And I said, no, ma'am. And she, well, she knew Adam used to drink, and she, she told him, um, you know, she called him the name, she called him, and she said, here. And uh, Adam said, I, I don't drink. I, I don't drink anymore. Oh, Lord, she had a fit on us. What? Oh, so y'all don't drink, huh? Oh, so they got you over there telling y'all y'all can't drink, right? She said, look, you can drink. The Bible says. Then she started telling us about the Bible. So I'm trying to help y'all when they start telling y'all about the Bible. The Bible says, come out from among them and be separated, says the Lord. And I was like, what? She said, man, I had never heard that like that, man. Yeah. And she, yeah, that's what she said. And I was like, what? She said, look, you can still drink. 
that, and she told us, and don't go in the ballroom. Now, what I have in my house, she said, I could drink in my house, but see, I don't go to the bars no more. But I could drink in my house. So y'all could, y'all could drink one of those. Y'all could have one. And I said, no, ma'am, no. Now, you see, that's a message of discretion, not a message of deliverance. God didn't call us to learn how to be discreet in our mess. Where, okay, all right, I'm not going to go get a hooker off the street. But I could find me one. I think Pastor Adam said Walmart. The gospel message is one of deliverance, not, not discretion. We're not supposed to try to find out what the scripture says and then, how, then, then try to learn how to discreetly do what we do. Well, I don't take, I don't take it to the hotel. We do it in my room. What? Fornication, that's all I heard. I mean, he didn't tell. It's not, it, is a, it is a message of deliverance, not discretion. Do you know Paul had to write to the church and he said, man, y'all, 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 using, y'all using this liberty and this freedom thing as a cloak of the flesh. Y'all trying to learn how, y'all trying to make this message one where y'all can discreetly still do what you want to do. When, that's not what I'm preaching to you all. I'm pre- preaching to you all deliverance. You want to be delivered, delivered, not to learn how you can discreetly do what you want to do. When I'm trying to find out how I can discreetly do it, you know how, you know, sometimes like, you know, husband and wife break up and, you know, when the the woman will say, I never, I never brought another man under this roof. You know what that means, right? I didn't bring another man under this roof, but I went under another roof. Anyway, again, discretion, but it's still wrong. But do you realize that's what we do when we're, when we're being carnal? We're not talking about how I'm delivered from that. I'm still doing what I do. I just do it discreetly. Oh, I'm still nasty acting. Oh, I, I still got a bad attitude. But see, now I found a way to discreetly do it. And I found um, other words to use in place of it. Instead of saying bad attitude and uh, nasty acting. Um, even, even when I'm gossiping, I found a new way to do that. I'm not delivered from gossip. I found a way to discreetly do it. Girl, let's pray for sister so-and-so. Girl, did you hear what? Mm-hmm. Are you talking about her all the time? Now you know that's what you're doing. Oh, yeah. Oh, I don't come right out and say I don't like that person. I just say, well, you know, you know how they are. You know how he is. You, already, you don't like me. You, you don't like me. Because if, you, if, if we were doing it the way the Bible says, if you, if you really wanted to help, you wouldn't go and tell anybody else about me. Heck, come and tell me. See, this is why I got to calm down. You know what I'm saying? If I know I have issues with a certain thing, don't try, to, don't, don't try to cover it up and label it something else. Get delivered from it. Just get delivered from it. You know, it's just sad. Husbands and wives, children, families, single people. It's just a shame that we won't just go on and just be who we're supposed to be. 
go on and just be who we're supposed to be. We want to play these games. We want to come and sit in these chairs and act like we love each other and then go back out in the car and call each other all kinds of names. And then when the, when the stuff hit the fan and everybody finding out that y'all breaking up, it's like, what? They used to kiss sitting on the front row, whole hands leaving out. Had the children. I just thought they had heaven on earth. Why are you faking like that? Do you know the effort it takes for you to fake to do that? Why don't you just go head on and deal with your issues and just have a happy family? You don't have to be faking like that. Why you want to be faking? Man, if we got issues, we need to talk about them. And then in talk about them, talking about them, let's find solutions. Because I don't have to live with you. And you don't have to live with me. You know that? No. No. And we can only fake for so long. Only for so long. And then after a while, I'm tired. And don't let me start getting older. I'm for sure tired then. You know what I'm saying? When I was younger, I probably could have put up with your mess. But now I'm getting older and you're still messy. No. So we just need to go head on and grow up and do what we need to do. Right? The husbands and the wives that, um, that break up after the children leave out of the house, there was issues all, all the time. It didn't just happen when the kids left out. There was issues all the time. In all those years, if you stayed in it for the children, in all those years, why didn't you find some solutions? Why didn't you just find some solutions? And go ahead on so you can live a happy life. And after the children leave, just go ahead on and just, just be happy and just love each other and just be good. Why not just go on and have that? And don't talk about if you believers in the church. What? Why are you doing that? Why are you messing around talking about, I'm glad I'm single, I'm happy in my singleness, and then you somewhere about to bite your fingernails off. <laughs> Just go ahead on it. <laughs> go ahead on and be delivered. You know what I'm saying? And really be happy in your singleness. You know, you understand what I'm saying? Somewhere about to go crazy. Sitting in the malls looking at folks like you about to attack them. I mean, why do you want to do that? that it's not necessary. No, it's not necessary. Not at all. It's not necessary. Oh, that crazy, that boy go to your church. Uh, he's, that's the one that's sitting in the food court all the time. But when he at church, he like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. What? No. Come on. This is what happened in the Corinthian church, you all. And it's happening in churches, you know, where people won't take the gospel message as being a message of deliverance. They just think it's a message of discretion. That's not, that's not the will of God. 1 Corinthians 5, 1 through 5, we're going to read that out of the Message Bible. Yeah, I, I got to be a happy wife at church and a happy wife at home. I have to. Yes? Because that, that, that's not good. 1 Corinthians 5, 1 through 5, Message Bible. 
Whoa, if you've never read this, you're gonna be amazed. This happened in the Corinthian church. Now, this was a church that Paul had to write to them one time too and tell them, man, you all, nobody exceeds you all in the gifts. Now, spiritual things, they seem like that, you know, they were flowing and stuff like that. Now, they was doing it crazy, but of course, because they were carnal, right? But they act like there was a demonstration of all these things in their church, but still their carnality caused them to not be or to not produce the reality of what they really were to be as a church family. Now, look at what the scripture says. 1 Corinthians 5, um, 1 through 5. You have the, me- the message up there? Yeah. Look at what it says. I also received a report. Now, Paul's writing to them. He said, I also received a report of scandalous sex within your church family, a kind that wouldn't be tolerated even outside the church. One of your men is sleeping with your stepmother. Wait, no. L- look at your name and say, that was at church? Now, how you going to be somebody at church sitting down saying, um, cannot be defeated? <laughs> oh, what's the other one that we do? Oh. <laughs> Never going to change my mind. <laughs> what kind of stuff? You cannot be defeated. You're never going to change your mind. And you're sleeping with your stepmother? What kind of crap is that that you, are, that you look at your stepmom and think, oh, I want her? That's carnality. Don't you think? Uh, all of y'all don't believe. <laughs> Got to watch it. Look at verse 2. He says, and you're so above it all. Now, he's talking to the church. And you're so above it all that it doesn't even phase you. Shouldn't this break your hearts? Shouldn't it bring you to your knees in tears? Shouldn't this person and his conduct be confronted and dealt with? He says, I'll tell you what I would do. Even though I'm not there in person, consider me right there with you because I can fully see what's going on. I'm telling you that this is wrong. You must not simply look the other way and hope it goes away on its own. Bring it out in the open and deal with it in the authority of Jesus, our master. He said, assemble the community, n- n- not, not, not the community where you live. He's talking about that, that church. He's calling them the, co- the community. He says, assemble the community. I'll be present in spirit with you. And our master, Jesus, will be present in power. Oh, yeah. Now, hold this man's conduct up to public scrutiny. Let him defend it if he can. Let him defend it if he can now. Give him a chance. But if he can't, then out with him. It will be totally devastating to him, of course, and embarrassing to you. But better devastation and embarrassment than damnation. You want him on his feet and forgiven before the master on the day of judgment. Shut up. Yes. See, this is the greater goal. This is the greater goal. It's about our, in this session when I taught it, I said, man, too many of the things that 
we find ourselves dealing with the reason why many times we deal with them for so long is because of we won't let the message of deliverance be just that we allow it to be a message of discretion where we find ways to hide under what we're doing and try to justify it then I'm not being that class I'm not being that giant that that, that God wants me to be we have to do it what Paul says that had to be done at this church. Now, I'm not saying that if you're doing something, you got to come before the church and stand up and say, oh, Lord, I have sinned. I looked at my mama and I just thought she looked good. I'm not saying you have to do that. You do need help if you've done that, but you need to bring it out in the open, definitely. It needs to be exposed. It has to be exposed where deliverance can come. Look at what he said. He said, it's better to have devastation to have him devastated, and even if, if need be, for you to be embarrassed, then for damnation to come to that person. That person needs to experience the delivering power of God. He was trying to get them to see that as long as you all act like there's no issue, there's no problem, there's no foul, there's no, it, it's just okay, then he's going to continue in that. The longer we play with our flesh like that, Think about your flesh. Think about ex you exposing your flesh. As long as you keep making exceptions for it and keep saying, oh, well, oh, this, oh, that, oh, that, just, just making, then the Lord's going to come. And those years that maybe possibly you had right fellowship with him, those will go for naught because of what you weren't willing to confront. To confront. Amen. Not only that, the life and life more abundantly that you're to be experiencing, you never have, will never have, because we just continue to let our flesh do what it wanted to do. Now, we bring it in line when, when we're among other believers, but other than that, we just let it do what it wants. Well, if you could bring it in line then, why can't you bring it in line all the time? How is it that you have this issue with, let's just say, I don't know that you do, but let's just say, how is it that you have an issue with smoking or something like that, but you can go away four days and three nights on a men's retreat or a women's retreat and don't do it? Hmm? You, you have a problem with pornography, but on those days, those four days and three nights, you don't, you're not even looking for a computer. How is that? You did something about it then, why not do something about it every day? And then, 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 then a day will come when you don't even have to do anything about it at all. Because you, you, can, you stop feeding it. You know what I'm saying? You stop feeding it. Anything that we continue to feed, appetite grows, right? Yeah? You, you know they say that about cats? Don't put food out for them. Don't put food out for your flesh. Don't, don't put food out for it. The things that it likes to eat, that it likes to see, that it likes to feel, that it likes to be entertained with, don't put stuff out for it. Feed your spirit. Put stuff out for your spirit. 
let it grow. Let it get big. Let it, let it become strengthened. And then you'll find yourself looking and saying, I once had, once had that issue, but I don't have it anymore. And the reason I don't have it anymore is because I stopped trying to find discreet ways to continue to do it. I accepted the delivering power of God to set me free from it. It's easy to read this and say, that boy, what was he thinking? His stepmama, oh my goodness. But what if God was to have somebody to write your story? And write about the stuff that you entertain. Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Thursday is sacred for some of us. But Friday and Saturday, we're back. And then Sunday is sacred again. Not going to do it that day. What if somebody wrote that about us? What, 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 would they think, what, what, what? How could they, how could, how could they continue to do that? Well, the way we continue to do it is because we, will, we allowed ourselves to be carnal. Now, everybody can't be carnal. That word is not a word for everybody. Do you know you can only be carnal if you've experienced the saving power of God. If you've never accepted Jesus in your life, you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, then the scripture considers us then just natural men. We're just natural men. But once you accept Christ in your life, you've experienced his love, you've experienced his grace, you've experienced his saving power. You know what it is to, to walk with him. You know what it is to live for him, to live with him, to have his presence in your life. And then you choose to go back and do some of the dumb things that you were um, delivered from. You, you're not considered a natural man anymore. You're a carnal man. You're the man that knows to do good and do it at night. Not only are we considered carnal men then, but we're considered transgressors. Not even sinners. I, I'm not even, to, the, to, to God, he doesn't even call me a sinner anymore. He said, you're just a transgressor. Yeah. And you know what the scripture says about a transgressor. <laughs> the scripture says the way of a transgressor is hard. When I decide to know to do right and not do it, then all I can expect is a hard way. And it's only by grace sometimes I have good days. And I ought to give thanks to God for that because if it was up to the devil, he'd kill me. Yes? But it's only by God's grace that I, that, 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 that I continue to live and that I can continue to hear and to know that God still loves me. And that sometimes I have this idea about this prodigal son and I think that, you know what, I can go back. I can. I can go back. I can go back. But now I have to work around the, the circumstances and the situations that I've allowed to be created that try to hold me from going back. Those circumstances and situations that I didn't have before, but now I have them. But do you know what? Even God will give me help and grace to, go th to walk through those. But do you know what I have to do? I've got to turn around and tell him, I want it. I want what? I want my life back. And he is faithful and he's just. Amen? Now, I want to read that to you, um, 1 Corinthians 5 and 5 out of the Amplified Bible. The Amplified Bible says, you are to deliver this man over to Satan for physical discipline, 
to destroy carnal lust, which prompted him to incest. I just thought that was too good. What now? He said that, that, that thing need to be destroyed, that carnal lust. He was carnal before he even started up with his stepmom. The carnality brought him into that. He didn't start up with the stepmom and then become carnal. You understand? The carnality brought him into the incest. Wait, is that what it says? To destroy the carnal lust which prompted him to incest. That's why you can't play with this thing about being carnal. Because, you know, they say um, this is the thing about sin. It'll, it'll take you where you don't want to go, hold you longer than you want to stay and do something else. It's a couple of things. Longer, yeah, but it's all bad. <laughs> That's the thing about carnality. You start out just thinking, well, I'm just carnal. Sometimes I feel like going to church and sometimes I don't. Right? But that carnality, it, it, it grows. Its intention is, is to cause your desires and your appetite to become even further and further and further away from God. His carnality didn't just start because with the incest. That's when his carnality had come out full bloom. The longer I stay on this earth and I behave carnally, I can expect that carnality to bring me deeper and deeper and deeper into more appetites, into more desires, and into more lust. For what? Anything that's against God. Hmm? As a believer, I can't afford that. Right? And we know this too. Now, we believe that a person is in broken fellowship when they stop coming to church. Oh, you know, they're in broken fellowship. They've turned, meaning they've, they've turned their, basically they've turned their back on God and they've gone back out into what we call the world, right? That didn't start the day that they, they decided not to come to church anymore. It was taking place all the time. See, when you can sit in the, the, mess, the gospel message, blah. When you can sit, the gospel message is being preached and it means nothing to you. Just casually, you hear it, and you just say, mm, whatever, mm. Already, there's, there, you got some crap that's taking place in your life that, that, that's trying to take you out. You never want to hear, sit under the message of the kingdom, of the word of God, and allow your body and your flesh to tell you that, oh, huh, you never want to do that. Even when you feel yourself getting even a casual posture when the gospel is being preached, you jack yourself up and say, oh, no, you're going to sit up right and you're going to listen to what thus saith the Lord. Don't ever allow yourself to be casual about the things of God. Not ever. The reading of the word, praying, don't ever allow yourself to get casual about those things. See, that, that's where he first grabs us. And then we'll look back sometime later and try to figure out how did I get over here? How did I get down here? I was delivered from that stuff. How did I get back to this? Well, it was the day I started getting casual with the things of God. When I started allowing my flesh to tell me what is acceptable and what's not. 
when I start playing around with my thoughts and letting my senses tell me what God meant instead of allowing the spirit of God to tell me what he said. Amen. <sighs> what we needed was what the what's needed is what the world in the church needs most now and they needed it then and that is those spiritual giants. It's giants in the realm of a heavenly substance such as faith. It's, it's those giants. That's what they needed then and that's what we need now. Now, these giants belong to a new order. Provisions have been made. They've been set in motion and established for this new order. Every man, woman, boy, and girl, humanity as a whole, to, be, to belong and to become a part of this new order. They're to be new in purpose, new in character, and new in existence. The scripture that reveals this, and it's a familiar scripture to us, but we ought to see it in a new light now, is the scripture that, that when you um, go into the New Life in Christ class, I believe this is one of the foundational scriptures that's used, and that's 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. Okay, we're going to read the scripture, and then we'll just take up, take up here next Thursday. Um, the King James Version says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Amen. Yes? Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. The Amplified Bible says, Therefore, if any man is engrafted in Christ the Messiah. And see, you've got to see this. In Genesis 6 and 4, they had the... Um, sons of God, which were the fallen sons of God, and the daughters of men to come together to create these giants that were only a, a false, um, a false uh, type or uh, shadow of the giants that we, were, that we are to be. You understand what I'm saying? And it's not about how tall we are in stature, but it's the new order of beings that we're to be through Christ Jesus. Yes? Therefore, if any man is engrafted in Christ the Messiah, he is a new creation, a new creature altogether. The old, previous moral and spiritual condition have passed away, and behold, the fresh and the new has come. The Weymouth translation says, I love this translation, so that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old state of things have passed away and a new state of things have come into existence. When it says all things are become new, he has a new life, new senses, new faculties, new affections, new appetites, new ideas and concepts. His whole tenor of actions and conversation is new and he lives as if, it, as if he were in a new world. God, men, the whole creation, heaven, earth and and all therein appears in a new light and stands related to him in a new manner since he was created anew in Christ Jesus. The scripture really is telling us that this man becomes this new class of being. He's now a giant in God. He has enormous intellect and insight, concepts and ideas is what we can expect as being that new class of beings. John Maxwell, he talks about running with giants, and he used the, uh, the scripture in uh, Hebrews 
Hebrews 11 and 1, it talks about now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And then he goes on to list all of the, the heroes of faith. That's what the scripture, you know, or if you look at the subtitles, it talks about the heroes of faith. And he began to um, list the Old Testament heroes um, like uh, Noah and Moses and Abraham and Joshua and all of them. And he said uh, in uh, Hebrews 12, it talks about that we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witness. And it gives the understanding that it's as if we're in this stadium and inside of the uh, bleachers or the stands, just like there were fans when you go to a stadium that fills up the stadium, they're there cheering on those that are in the race or those that are that are that are in the, the contest or those that are just walking it out. They have um, fans that standing in the that's in the bleachers and they're cheering them on saying, you can do it. You can do it. Well, he says that we have we are running with giants. It's those men and women of God that we read about in the Old Testament. They 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 are the giants and that we ought to be running along with them. He said, what if the giants could come out of the stand? What if, what, if, what if Moses, if you were running your course now in life, what if Moses could come out of the stand and start running with you? What do you think he'd say? What would be, what would be his encouragement to you? Hmm? I was reading where he said, if Noah could come down and he could run with us, we're running our race and he could run with us and he would want to encourage us. He'd say that there is significance in one. Don't be discouraged. It doesn't matter if nobody else understands. It doesn't matter if nobody else is cheering you on. Let me tell you there's significance in one. If you're the only one, hear what God says and do what he says. Amen. Along with Noah, the scripture never says that Noah family gave him any problems. But do you know he had to stand on. He was the only one that heard what God said. He was the only one that knew what God said. And he was the only one that had the faith to really operate and build that ark. Even with all of the controversy that was around him, he had to be encouraged. And he had to many times probably encourage himself and continue to build that ark. Amen. Knowing that God was going to do what he said that he would do. But look at what happened. The scripture says those eight people went into that ark and he saved. He saved a generation. Because of what? He was a giant. He was a giant. How was he a giant? His faith made him a giant. He believed God. He took, he, he didn't let what this world said. He didn't allow the limitations of this world to be his limitations. Hmm? He didn't let what the world thought about him. Now we're not trying to create monsters where you just say, well you, well, you don't have to think of, you don't have to care what nobody thinks. And it's not, not what nobody thinks, but you don't have to care what the world thinks about what thus saith the Lord. Amen? For your life. We've got to know what God's saying. Amen? And then we're going to have to be bold enough to run with what he said to see a manifestation of those things that he's already purposed. On the other Sunday, I told him, I said, you know, there's a great, there, there's something great and awesome about God because of the scripture it says, behold. And when it says, behold, it says that it's present 
is visible and there is an undeniable change that's to take place in us. And if, we're to, if we would take note, we'd look in Genesis and it's recorded that it took six days to make the first creation. Yes? It took six days to make the first creation. And it took three days and three nights to establish the new creation, Jesus Christ. Yes? Yes? Six days to create the first creation. Three days and three nights to create the new creation that, we are, that, 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 that was to be established. But do you know what? Now it only takes a few moments for there to be a new birth experience. We went from six to three to now just a few moments. It only takes a few moments, amen, for us to experience a newness of life. Amen, amen, amen. Just a few moments, a few moments to just say, Jesus, come into my life. Come into my heart. Be Lord of my life. I want to be a part of the family of God. It only takes a few moments now, amen, for me to become a part of that new class of being. Well, I can learn to stand up and be the giant that God has called me to be. Man, it's time for us as men to stand up and be giants in our homes. Don't you think so? It's time for us as women to stand up and be giants in our, in our homes. Amen? And it's time for us as boys and girls to stand up and be giants. Glory to God wherever we are, because we're called to be giants. Amen? We're called to be giants. Those giants then were only a figure of what God meant for us to be. He meant for us to have intellect. He, he meant for our children to be able to have ideas and concepts that would, that, would, that would cause an impact in the world. But you see, it's gonna take us letting that life of God, that life of God to be big in us. We're gonna have to put away those carnal things and those carnal appetites and those carnal desires and just go on and be spiritual. Spiritual men and women of God and allow the life of God Amen. The, the, the word of God, the way of God, the being of God to be first and foremost in our life. If you would just stand up with me for a few moments, please.